Home Life Cafe. Oh yeah, that up there, that, that was just restuckled a few years ago by an unknown artist. It's no rotunda, but we're pretty proud of it. Well, uh, could I interest you in the menu? Anything on here? Uh, can I suggest the mini with panini and pepperoni bologna sandwich? <laughs> it's a sandwich for people who need a little boost, you know? Not like you two look like you need a boost or anything. I, I would offer a defibrillator, but that's a seasonal thing. You'll understand. Now, did you, uh, I'm sorry, did you say something? Uh, I'm really sorry, sir. You're going to have to forgive us. We're, uh, we're pretty exhausted these days. We don't get a lot of sleep. So could oh, you use oh. your inside voice, please? That'd be good. Oh, no, no offense taken. You must have young children, am I right? How'd you know? Well, Watson, from the ketchup stain on your husband's collar to the rather massive purse that resembles a small duffel bag and to the shirt that says Daddy Rules, I also have I have mad respect for that, by the way. Thank you. Um, I deduced the hypothesis in question. But really, it was the pacifier hanging from your shirt that gave it away. That'll do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of a fashion novice, but I noticed that fashion flip right away. Yep. Well, you got it right. We are definitely parents of young children. How many bundles of joy do you claim? Oh, joy, children. We have three, but we only claim one or two depending on the day. Ah, I see. Well, uh, does he talk? Um, well, like English? He- does sometimes. He most he used to talk a lot, but he mostly just mumbles now. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I remember when last time we came here, we'd only been married seven weeks. We were broke and ignorant, but it was bliss. He used to say things to me that would make my stomach do somersaults. Hmm. Yes, ma'am, we have a spicy Cuban sandwich that does that to a lot of people. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of food, would you like to order something? After all, this is a restaurant. I mean, we could we could stare off into space anywhere, can we, Mr. What's his name? What's Bernard. His name? Bernard. 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 Oh. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, what's up? Honey, what's going on? He's trying to take your drink order. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you guys have uh, organic milk? No, 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 no. We, I mean, we have a cow out back that's about no. as organic as it gets. Don't, don't bring any milk. Honey, okay. we don't have the kids with us. We don't need our what about, milk. What about no crayons? No crayons? Crayons? No. I might Do not bring okay. crayons. Okay, well, Take your I, I'll have a coffee heavy on the Nectar of Life caffeine. Okay, awesome. One coffee heavy on the Nectar of Life. And for you, ma'am? Could I get one of these energy drinks? Um, could I actually get it in a teacup? That feels a lot more proper. Is this Don't normal? ask. Yeah. I'm as clueless as you are. Yeah. All right. One coffee heavy on the caffeine for you, sir, and a little quaint pot of Red Bull for the lady. I'll be right back as soon as the Red Bull simmers a bit, and I milk the caffeine kernels. And I am so tired right now. Mm-hmm. I think Billy woke me up like five times last night. Something about like a big, big red dog and little Einstein flying around or something. Must have been some nightmare. Honey, can we talk about something that isn't the kids? Um, yeah, like what? Like you, me, whatever we used to talk about for hours on the phone before we were married. Hours? Yeah. What did we talk about for that long? I have no idea. But, I don't know. I'd kind of like to return to that. I don't know. Are you saying it's my fault that we haven't had any decent conversations? No. I'm just saying I'd like to talk more. I think you talk enough. Oh, wow. You just care so much, don't you? <sighs> See, 
of course I care, dear. It's just that with work and with the kids and all, I can barely think straight half the time. And you know how hard it is to get away between finding a babysitter that'll teach our kids more than Hooked on High School Musical and the agony of paying her way more than she's worth and then finding a restaurant within our budget and within a safe distance of home so that we can be home in case of an emergency. It's almost torture to go out. Sorry, it's torture to go out with me. Speaking of torture, how about I torture you two with our dessert menu? Um, why would we want dessert when we haven't had the real food yet? My friend, dessert is real food. In fact, I have it from a confidential source. Listen in, listen in. That until the 20th century, some neurotic nutritionists cooked up a scheme to control the food intake of this world. And switch was the obviously more enjoyable eating arrangement and switching it with what is the real meal first. Now, millions of people around the globe stuff themselves on the real meal, and now they never have room for the grand finale of eating bliss, the dessert. Who did you say you were again? I'm Randy Recharge, your wonderful waiter. Huh, kind of reminds me of a battery. <laughs> it reminds my, most people of jumper cables, but I'm okay with that as long as it doesn't remind them of something shocking. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I thought so. I'm not laughing. Well, maybe he could use some jumper cables, eh? I don't know. I think he's disposable. Okay. All right. If you two are through, I would like to get something to eat, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, certainly, certainly. Can I suggest the chocolate-covered strawberries? They're mighty popular with the ladies. Okay. Randy Generator. What's your name again? Recharge. Oh. Uh, you just spilled my Oh, yeah. I'm going to need to clean everywhere. that up. Yeah. Yeah, whatever your name is. Um, yes. I would like to have, like, real food, like, like a steak or, like, some potatoes. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, okay. I read you loud and clear. I got you. Good. So, may I suggest the Triple Dipple Chocolate Cheesecake Bomb? Ooh. Man, you'll have this little lady eating out of your hand before the meal is over. I'm telling you. Okay. I'm telling Does you. He... So, we're going to take one of those no, okay. uh, two uh, orders uh, of the strawberries. Does, and do does he have, have a problem? I think he has a problem. Does he have a problem? No, 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 no. I think we should get some. They sound great. Okay. Okay. What is with you? I'm sorry, but I really just think we should give it a try. I don't know. I think it sounds good. (laughs) What what does anything you just said got to do with ordering dessert first from a clearly psychopathic waiter? Look, I don't know what this has to do with, well, what we were talking about earlier, but... I think it's all connected somehow. <laughs> if I may butt in right here and explain the problem that you guys are facing right now. Oh, great. So now you're, comes, you're some kind of shrink? Yeah, honey, he's not that short. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Your basic group problem, my friends, is not your work, your children, your tiredness, or your lack of good fashion. So... <laughs> or even your love for each other. Yes. So then what is our problem? Your priorities. Huh. See, honey. Told you. You got something to say. Yep. Thank you, Randy. You're welcome. Hey, Randy. Yeah, what's up? What are priorities? Oh, well, priorities are basically a way to measure what is the most significant thing in your life. Whatever's the highest priority in your life gets the most attention, thought, and energy. So let's say bowling is your first priority. Then you would talk about it, think about it, play it often, and invest your resources. Why? Well, because it's your first priority. But I don't like bowling unless I get to use the bumper lanes. So Honey, I, I, I think you're missing his point here. His point is whatever you give your life to is your first priority. 
And apparently he thinks ours are a little out of whack. You hit the bowling pin right on the head, my friend. So what should our top priority be? Well, ma'am, it's like this. All of life should revolve around the great priority, the Lord Jesus Christ. And every other priority should flow straight out of that. So the top priority should be which that matters most to Jesus. And what might that be? Well, according to Scripture, your marriage is the most significant relationship in your life because it's a oneness like none other. So to cut short the priority of marriage is to do damage to your very self. So what you're saying is our marriage should be more important to ourselves or our work or our kids or anything else? A stout observation, Sherlock. Yeah, but how is that possible? We both have so much to do. I mean, there's the kids and then there's... Facebook, and there's my friends, and don't even get me started on how much longer it takes to clean the house. <laughs> yeah, and with, like, work and fishing and kids and golfing, mm. and I'm still trying to figure out Bitcoin, I barely have enough time to get a date in every six months. Excuses are like armpits. We all have two have submit, and they smell a bit. The momentum of marriage has a recipe. Love does not make itself. Add time. Talk and touch and your best energy. Now that's priority. Then enjoy the fruits of sweet unity and revel in the harmony. Welcome, my friends, to New Harmony. I'll clean that up later. You know, honey, I'm sorry that I've been putting everything before you and, and before us. I guess I felt like I had to cut back on something. And for some reason, you were the first to go and... That was not right. I'm sorry, too. All the while, I've been resenting you for cutting back, and I was doing the exact same thing. Yeah. You know, I hope it's not too late for us to rebuild everything around our marriage instead of just trying to fit it in whenever it works in a moment in the madness, you know? Yeah. How we do this? When we get home, let's trash our calendar. Instead of trying to put marriage in the cracks, we'll build everything else around our marriage. You don't all like that. And you know what? What? I'm not even hungry. Me neither. What do you say we go downtown and get us some ice cream? I like that. You, you know, honey, it's not the real meal. <laughs> Have I ever told you how the real meal deal came about? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they're pretty funny, aren't they? It's awesome. So um, we're going to continue into our wonderful talk with... Um, Something Jen and I are absolutely yeah with, um, and that is raising humans. Um, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it, um, and God has entrusted us with our kids, um, and he's, he's blessed us. You heard me say the other night that God blessed us with um, some kids, and so we're going to show you that, but before we do, let me um, show you another fun little video that sometimes as parents, we'll get a little kick out of this, okay, so... Let's watch. I love to communicate to music. I just started to communicate with music to my kids. They don't listen to me talking anymore. I just use their songs and get my point across. You know, seriously, you try it. It's awesome. They do listen. We're at the mall the other day. They're just begging me for an iPhone for an hour. I finally said, dude, I'm not going to buy you an iPhone. Cause you ask for it like you need one You don't, I'm not gonna buy you an iPhone You're insane if you think I'll pay for it So be on your way, I'm not gonna listen Go away, you're wasting all your time Here's a dime if you find a payphone 
but no iPhone today. And that's what I do. I got an older kid now, man. I had to use a Chris Daughtry song the other day. You stayed out too late last night. I heard you sneaking in. Hanging out at who knows where. Don't even try to blame this on your friends. Trust me, dude, it won't happen again. You're staying home. It's the place where you belong. You're done wrong and now you're grounded for a week. I still love you, but you keep breaking your curfew. And you'll regret how late you chose to be. Your abuses and excuses are getting old. So you're staying home. You're staying home. What about John Mayer, man? He's gonna have kids someday in the car. <laughs> I think he might write this song. You better quit all that complaining. Don't wanna hear another sound. If I hear any more whining, I'm gonna turn the car around. You got a little television, and you had enough to eat. If you don't change your disposition, I'm gonna leave you on the street. So I'm waiting. For your attitude to change I keep on waiting For your attitude to change You say that I ain't fair I guess that would matter if I care So I keep on waiting For your attitude to change Parenting is fun. Um, So here we go, following this couple along in their amazing journey. You see this beautiful black and white photo. Yeah, those girls are cute. Look how cute they are. Two and a half years apart. Yeah. I don't know if it's every mother, but I love those years. No. Glad that they're off the payroll. Next um, picture was our first trip to Disney. Good times. Look yeah. how cute. I didn't cry when they met Mickey. My eyes, I had allergies and something got in it. And so it was just crazy. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I remember Ryan this whole trip. Oh, he gosh. was kind of salty. And I was like, dude, stop. He was like, we have waited in every character visit line in this park. Like the when roller coaster's we- <laughs> right there. We're at Cinderella's castle. We waited an hour to meet Cinderella. And it was priceless. Abby was like, oh, oh no, she it, like tear. It cost a lot, babe. It, um, I know exactly the, what it cost. She, it's the will, Cinderella. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if you only knew, babe. And we're in her castle. He really wanted to ride the roller coasters. How yeah. old do they have to be to ride the roller coasters? Yeah. Mm, bless him. Yeah. And then they turned into these beautiful teenagers with braces and all. Yeah. yeah. Hannah's like, thanks for that, Mom. Thanks for that one. <laughs> She's beautiful. She is. This is the point of life when they grew taller than me. I'm not very tall, you might have noticed, but um, it didn't take them long to outgrow me. So there I am, the shorty in the group. 
Yeah, a child psychologist uh, was announced at a conference, and this is what he said. Before I was married, I had three theories about raising kids. Now I have three kids and no theories. It's kind of how Jen and I feel about sharing with you guys today, except that we have two children, a son-in-law, and two grandkids. Um, We're not quite sure that we are the best at raising kids or at raising humans. The crazy thing is, is people let us be... Youth pastors yeah. and children's ministers yeah, like before they, we had kids. Yeah, they were like, oh, you guys are young? Be the youth pastor. You got this. I'm like, I don't even you know You have lots of energy. Yeah. What? Yeah. If they, oof. Parenting takes energy and a lot of wisdom, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Um, thankfully, the best part is we just don't have theories. We have God's word that can help guide us in raising um, the humans or the children that God has given to us. Um, Psalms 27 verse 3 through 5 says this, Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from Him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. Some of your quivers are more full than other people's quivers. Um, We ate last night at the Rockies, 11 kids. Wow, Lord bless them. Um, and we have, we have two kids. But listen, the, the best part is it doesn't matter how many you have. What matters is how you shape them, how you get that arrow ready to go, where you aim that arrow for life. And eventually, you've got to let go of that arrow. Eventually, you have to let it do what it was created to do, and that is to fly and soar and head in the direction of life. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about parenting in this next little segment. Here's some myths that I think sometimes we buy into. The first myth is this. I have no responsibility for the ultimate choices my children make. Uh, it is all about them and whatever they want to do. Now, remember, it's our responsibility as their parents to aim them in the right way, to shape them in the right things, to, to mold into them the values and the principles um, that we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, it's our job, and God will hold us accountable for how we've raised our humans. And we talked about last night, it's not the church's job, it's not the school's job, it's not our friends, parents' job, it's our job, and yeah. we do need to take that serious. But the second parenting myth, because you can go too far on that side, I have total responsibility for the ultimate choices my children make. And um, I fell victim to this one, and I didn't even know it until um, we've talked about our daughter, Abby, and how she, when she went away to college, she um, got pregnant her freshman year of college. And I remember it hit us hard. And it, what my first response was not how disappointed I was in her. It was, what did I do wrong? What did, what, what did I not tell her? What did I not show her? How, you know, somehow this must be my fault. Were there some gaps in my parenting? And so, I was her youth pastor all of her life growing up. Every February, we had I talk. did a talk yeah. in the youth group on sex and dating. And what does God's word say? I'm like, did she not listen? Like, where did I go wrong? Even as her, even as her youth pastor, not just her dad, but mm-hmm. we took that responsibility for ourselves. And it was like all on us. So remembering that they are ultimately God's children, that we disciple them and we give them a foundation. But at the end of the day, they are truly have the same free will that we have to make the choices. And then what we do from there, as far as how we walk alongside of them, when they do make a choice that's harder than another, when they do make wrong choices, it's hard to watch sometimes, but um, it definitely, definitely happens. The third parenting myth is, my parenting influence ends when my children leave the home. 
<laughs> when they're off the payroll, you think I can stop parenting. 18, it's over. Hasta la vista, you know, but um, that's, yeah, that's not true. Um, we have a lifelong commitment to um, our children. It does look differently when they're older, and um, we're just newly um, empty nesters. So we, Abby's well, been married. Almost empty campers, yes. Empty campers. <laughs> Um, Hannah is a college right student. Now, yeah. She's 19, so she makes a lot of her yep. decisions on her own. Um, she made a decision to apply and be on the team next year. So we're going to be in another different role in her life, more as a, a boss and a, a leader as opposed to just mom and dad. And, of course, Abby's going into her second year of marriage and she has children. And, you know, we have to wait to be asked for that advice instead of always sticking our knowledge and knows into their business even when we think wow I wouldn't have done that but we wait and um fortunately for us so far they have been um open to asking for advice and um but it's a whole new situation you would think you you, you kind of think well when they get up and get out of the house I will worry less any of you empty nesters worry true. less when they get out yet yeah, no I think I almost worry a little bit more for them because I'm like, oh my gosh, like the stakes are higher. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, some friends of ours um, that are in Atlantic Iowa, and they were in this session with us the last time we did this. He developed this great little flow chart, and I felt really weird. Like, here I am going to teach his flow chart, and like I was like, bro, Chad, you should be the one coming up here and doing this. Uh, he came up with this this idea of the parental legacy, um, and the and and the whole time. All of our lives, in the, the life of our children, we're always doing this bottom piece. Um, we're always modeling things for them. We're, we're modeling the word. We're modeling prayer. We're modeling the church. We're modeling the service. We're modeling the disciplines and the disciples, you know, the, the, the disciplines and, and what it means to be a disciple of God. We're to model that to our kids at all the time. Um, and then you get to the, the zero to 16 age bracket for them. This is our time to train them, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. So we're training them. We're teaching them skills. We're teaching them people skills. We're teaching them to think critically for themselves, work ethic, character. Then they hit that age of 16 where, you know, you're lucky that you don't kill them, right? Because then they know it all. They've got it all together. And you look at them and go, you don't even have a clue. Uh, but then your role goes from more of a training to a coaching. You're that person who's out there helping them think through career and job skills and what do you want to do when you grow up and relationship awareness and how do I develop in that regard and then financial stuff. Um, I think one of the most important things is to help your kids while they're at home learn how to be good with your finances. I was not great at that. I was an accounting major, but I don't even do my own taxes. I have people who do that for me. Um, and that's that's not great, but man... I, I messed my daughter up, Abby, in so many ways because she would come to us with report cards and be like, hey, so um, my report card comes out in three weeks and it looks like I'm going to have all A's. I used to pay my kids for their A's. I was like, your job is to be in school and to do well. And so when you do well, you'll get money. And she'd be like, so in three weeks when I get my report card, it looks like I'm going to have all A's. And so this would be the money you give me. Could you give it to me now? And, and that way, because I have this thing I want to buy, and I had the wonderful privilege of teaching her about credit. Babe, we do not buy from things that are coming in the future, because what happens if you drop a grade on that? Then guess what? You owe me money. 
back at that point. Um, and so we have the opportunity to do that. And then um, when they're 50 and older, you know, we, we think about helping them leave a legacy. How do they impact the people that are around them? How do they have a financial impact um, for their children and their grandchildren? We even have to think about that. So um, we, we broke this parental legacy down into two, two areas. The first area is a hands-on model. The, the hands-on time is obviously the entire lifetime, but it's also those ages of zero to six, um, hands-on. And then the hands-off comes when you're coaching them or they're leaving. They're, they're out on their own and they're doing their stuff. Um, and so you have this opportunity in that regard. Yeah, when I think about these two, I definitely think how the hands-on years are very physically exhausting. The hands-off tend to be a little more emotionally exhausting. Absolutely. Would you guys agree with that? <laughs> If anyone has a teenager, they know. Um, so today, in this session, we're going to talk more about the hands-on portion of um, the parental legacy model. So this is a crazy meme. This you can relate to. Hey, Janice, yeah, can I call you back in 11 years? Uh-huh. <sighs> How many of us are like, I'll get a social life again one day? <laughs> I'll, I'll get to go to the bathroom by myself. Yeah. Like... That's what I was looking forward to. Like, you know, you don't have little ones knocking on the door and trying to be like, hey, where are you? I'm just, I'm just sitting in here. I'm not even doing anything. Yeah. I'm just trying to find a break from y'all, you know? My favorite is the little fingers under the door. Hey, what are you doing in there? Well, you know, so yeah, there yeah. are definitely seasons of life where um, the priorities need to stay the same. You know, God, husband, kids, all the other things. But goodness, the pockets of time that you have to make those priorities a reality um, do, can easily get lost in translation, and you definitely have smaller windows of time where you have an uninterrupted conversation and all the things. Um, we... When, ooh, when this is my great story. So in Raising Humans, it's, it's good to remember that more is caught than taught. And what we mean by this is they're always watching, they're always listening. How you respond is going to be how they think it is okay to respond, et cetera, et cetera. My most embarrassing parenting story is I used to be a very impatient driver. I used to have a little bit of road rage. I love using the horn. Now she doesn't drive at all. I do all the driving. Well, I'm not going to drive that big thing, but yeah. So I used to love... um, Beeping the horn, I think the horn is a useful tool to remind people when the light turns green and also to let them know when they have done something unwise, like, you're not supposed to turn there, you know, so I had this... Or use your blinker. This dialogue, yeah, Yeah, blinkers, hello, you know, sarcasm and all the things, and... I don't know, when they're in the car seat season, you're just kind of like, they're not paying attention, they're watching Barney. I don't know, do they still have Barney? I don't know. So you just think they're not paying attention. Well, one day we're... We're all four. All four in the car. Dad's driving. Dad's driving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Abby's in the back and someone cut us off. And Jen just happened to reach over and honk the horn for me. Yeah, because he sometimes forgets that he has that useful tool of the horn. I'm just trying to be a helper. Yeah. And... Abby proceeded out of the mouth of babes to say a no-no word. And, and Ryan looks at me. I wonder where she heard that. 
How dare she? Where did she get that? We're going to talk to that to that nursery yeah, worker who, on Sunday. I mean, like, did Hannah teach her that? It was Where like Pavlov's dog. That? Like she heard the horn honk, you know, and she knew what the next yeah. phrase was to say. Like, mm, let's think this one through. Beep, beep. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, exactly. So Ryan looks at me. Where did she learn that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, hello. <laughs> and the funny thing is, and it's not really funny. It's really sad. But she used it in the proper context. She used it in the right way. The right but, tone. Everything. Like, oh, had it man. down. Like, she'd heard it multiple times. That was a super yeah. hard lesson for me to More learn. More is caught than taught sometimes. It's fantastic. Here's another meme for us. I love the parents teaching their toddlers Japanese. Well, I'm over here trying to get mine to stop licking the refrigerator. Yeah, this is, this is amazing. Um, listen, I, I, we had a phrase, we're just going to try to teach our kids how to survive. Um, we had some friends who, they had two boys that were the exact same age as our daughters. Jen and her were best friends, and so it was great. Our kids kind of grew up a little bit together, and so they were um, taking their kids to private school. And they were so amazed that their six-year-old could say all of the presidents of the United States. And I was like, wow, that's great. Let's drop your kid off and my kid off in the middle of the city and see which one survives. <laughs> like, my kid will find their way home. Your kid will be going, the 17th president of the United States. And they're gone. Like, they're like, they're, they don't know what to do. They can't survive. But I mean, like, I was that parent who was like, look, let me just... Let me just get this thing out there. So um, listen, what, what's happening is we have a great opportunity to pass things on to our kids. And again, more is caught than it is taught. Look at Second Chronicles twenty thirty two. Jehoshaphat was a good king following the ways of his father Asa. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He saw what his father was doing and he was about doing the same thing. And he was pleasing God. But then you have 2 Kings 21, 21 that says this. He, Amon, followed the example of his father, Manasseh, worshiping the same idols his father had worshipped. Our kids are catching what we're doing. They're watching. You've heard the song, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little ears what you hear. Yeah, Those little eyes and ears are watching us. Sometimes. I think we could even say um, some people have, have problems conceiving children or having kids. Um, and you might not have a kid, but you know what? There are kids that are in your life. You might have the opportunity to have what we call spiritual kids, um, where you're able to pour into kids' lives, that you're pouring into children here at church or to youth or to teenagers, or you work in the school system or you do something. There are little eyes and little ears that are watching. So we've got to be careful with what we do. Um, Talk about this next slide, babe. Yeah, in 2017, LifeWay did a research. Um, they were trying to figure out when and how kids were retaining their spiritual lives. And, and w- there's some definite predictors. Now, this is not a legalistic list, a checklist of things that you must do, and if you X plus Y equals things. But there were some common threads, um, good predictors of spiritual health in the long run for our kids. One, the first one was regular Bible reading, regular time in prayer, regularly serving in church, primarily listening to Christian music, participating in church mission trips and projects, and somewhere along the line, a best friend was an influencer to following Christ. Um, and again, not that this is a, a legalistic checklist and it's not a guarantee, but these are some good things to definitely keep in front of your children. 
just because you do these things again doesn't mean your kid's going to turn out right. Just remember, they are their own person who have their own free will. Um, and so, but these are great foundational pieces. Remember, Scripture says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, what? He won't depart from it. Now, when they're young, they might do some departing. <laughs> uh, one thing that I was convicted about as a young mom was letting my children see that I read the Bible. Mm-hmm. I'm, not a, I'm not a morning person. I take a little time. And um, I realized that well, I was... An hour, hour and a half time. Yeah, listen, I works. just woke up 30 minutes ago. I was, this was, yeah, yeah. I'm awake now. Um, but letting my children see me reading the Bible... Mm-hmm. I was reading the Bible, but a lot of times it was before they saw me in the morning or after they had gone to bed. So letting them see that I was reading the Bible, praying with them, not just um, assuming that they know I'm praying or vice versa. Uh, One thing I would want to add to the serving in church and the mission trips is having them serve with you, having them know why you serve, not because, oh, this is what we have to do. This is what we get to do. And that all Christians are ministers. Like the job that God gives us to share the light and be the light, it's all of us. Kids, adults, all of us together. So um, those kinds of things. Remember we talked this week that greed is the disease. Generosity is the cure. If your kids or grandkids or kids that are underneath you are struggling with this greed and this mind mentality of this entitlement, take them on a mission trip. Take them to serve at a soup kitchen here in town. Um, take them to do some kind of service and do it with them. Um, I think that was one of the greatest things we did was we took our girls on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic um, where it was we served together. Hannah was five. Abby was seven. Um, I had just watched the movie Taken before we left. Not a good idea. Don't do that. I thought I do not have a special set of skills. I do not have a lot of money. Um, please don't take my kid. Um, but you know, it was just, but I will find you exactly right. I will find you. Um, but it, it's one of those things that, man, when you can serve together, Dad, you want to make an investment in your families. You want to truly invest in who they are. Here, here's another thing about raising humans: consistency over perfection. And I think that that transitions well out of that list. A lot of times, we could take that list and be like, "Great, I'm checking it off. I'm doing the things. I'm I'm doing a daily Bible study with my kids. Yes, we're listening to you know." K-Love on the radio, and that's the only radio station. You can do all of those things. It's not about perfection. It's about being consistent. It's about consistency and doing what God has said to do. Um, here's and what I mean. A, oh, sorry. I was going to say, and it's as much of consistently asking for forgiveness and admitting when you're wrong as it is, you know, making sure you know that they know that you're right. Um, when I said the no-no word and Abby said the no-no word, I mean, of course, we, we had to have a conversation. Mommy is so sorry that she ever said that. We don't say those words, and it's just not nice words. And, you know, admitting that you're wrong to your kids is super important. It shows humility, but it also shows them that they can fail too, and there's grace for that, and we ask forgiveness, and we get back on um, on the horse. Here's a great meme. Cleaning with children in the house is like brushing your teeth while eating Oreos. Yeah, it never works. Um, it, it just, it doesn't. And so it, it's about this consistency versus perfection. Um, the Shema is a great thing. You want to talk about this? I, know. I love this. Yeah. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. 
So when should we teach our kids what is right? All, all, the, all time. the time. Um, I, I really love this. And one thing that I see in this is you're going to have to tell them more than one time. You can't tell them one time and that's, oh, I did my job. <laughs> They're done forever. And to not get impatient and frustrated when we have to keep saying the same thing over and over again. You know, you should have some presets of pre-recorded messages that you're going to say over and over. Um, but the biggest thing about this is it is good to have a formal Bible reading time, and it is okay to schedule the prayer times, and it is okay to to have those formal teaching times. But the things they're going to remember more than anything are those things along the way, those opportunities that we need to be aware of all the time for speaking into things. Like we're watching a TV show, and a, a, a theme comes up that, you know, mayday, mayday, this is not God's way. You know, pushing the pause button and say, hey, let's talk about this. What do you think about that? Do you think that is God's plan? We, we love them, but are they making the right choice? Um, talking about family values, talking about things that are happening, listening to how their day's going and help them, you know, navigate friendships and the things that they're doing. Um, having conversations like, you know, is that the God way? Is that the way God wants us to love people? Is that the choice? Were we honest? Did we tell the truth? You know, just being aware of the, every little opportunity we can to speak into them. Um, we were really careful about sometimes, especially dinner time. I don't know. Do people still eat dinner at the table? It seems like everyone's so busy, but a big part of, like, Eating the dinner together is that chance to have a conversation about how did your day go? What was the best part of your day? What was the hardest part of your day? Um, gives you those opportunities to speak into um, and line them back up with God's commands. Yep, yep. The, the next thing about raising humans is it includes both instruction and correction. <laughs> mm. Instruction and correction. We call this discipline. And sometimes discipline gets equated with punishment. A huge part of discipline is the teaching. And there are consequences that come with wrong choices. And we should allow the consequences to fall. But we have to remember consequences without the teaching can just be perceived as mean. Do you know what I mean? And that harsh harshness. So if they don't go together... And if the consequences don't teach something, then we've really missed the boat. Correct. A lot of times we thought parenting would look like this. We're tiptoeing through the tulips and everybody's happy and wonderful. When in actuality, it's like, you know, you're trying to fend off the velociraptors. You're trying to make sure that nobody eats anybody, especially you. Um, and so sometimes parenting looks like this. Proverbs thirteen twenty four says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Um, it, it is important to discipline our kids. And that discipline comes with the correction piece. It's always about teaching. It's um, l- less and less about behavior modification as much as it is about getting to the heart. Why did you make this choice? What's going on with life um, that you've got, to, you've got to go this way? Correcting um, wrong behaviors, we need to make sure we start early. Um, as a youth pastor, I've sat with many parents who had teenagers who were getting unruly, and they were like, oh my gosh, I've lost my kid. Yeah, you lost them at the age of five when you decided to be their friend as opposed to being their parent. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason why God has given you children. It's to be their parent. Proverbs nineteen eighteen says this, discipline your child while there is hope. Otherwise, you'll ruin their lives. 
if we don't start early, if we're not building in this idea of discipline and instruction and correction, then guess what? We ruin them forever. I've seen too many parents Mm -hmm. who just want to be friends. I want to be their best friend. I want them to love me. I want them to like... We've brought our own insecurities into the relationship with our children, and we've given up the right to be parents. Um, and so we, we bring them to the church, expecting the church to teach them about God. We take them to school, expecting the school to teach them about their education. We give them to, to their coaches to teach them discipline. That's all our jobs, parents. Our job is to be the ones to help them grow in these younger years. Um, the other thing about correcting behavior is know what they need. Each kid's different. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get an instruction book with each kid. How We were cruising along with Abby thinking... She's easygoing. She can do the things. She's an in, she's an extrovert, extrovert like her dad. Yep. She would just go along with all the things, and we were like, "Yeah, we can have another kid. We're okay. We can. We know what to do." Then Hannah came out. She's completely different. Um, yeah. we, it's amazing that the same parents can come up with different kids. You ever any parents in the room? You're like, "Oh gosh, I wish they would have looked like just all of me or all of her." And then you get multiples, and each one is different. Yeah, just when we thought we knew what we were doing, we got a Hannah Joy. And she's wonderful in her way, but I had to learn, we had to learn what worked. For instance, Abby was a social girl. She loved to talk. Time out was like the death sentence for Abby. You know, it was like, uh, you need to take a time out. Go in your room. Think about what you've been doing. (laughs) No, you can't play with your toys. No, you you know, sit on the bed and I will come get you when it's... Best part was when she got older, we, you know, she wasn't obeying us. We'd say, get your Bible out and look up all of the verses that talk about obeying your parents. (sighs) I mean, she hated it. Yeah. But being away from us was, you know, the screaming, the crying, the gnashing of teeth. Well, Hannah came along, introverted. She loved being in her room. So we're like, well, it's time for time out for Hannah. Hannah, I need you to go to your room. Don't play with your toys. Sit on your, sit on your bed. You can read a book, but that's all you can do. You better sit in there. Okay. I like this. I love my bedroom. I love the books. I love the things. So it didn't work for her. Um, Abby, we needed to spank more often than we did Hannah. Hannah, we could look at her in a disapproving way and say, you know, that's not the right thing to do. I'm so sorry. She was like instantly repentant. Abby was like, argue, argue, argue. Continue (laughs) until morale improves. I mean, Abby's like, Hannah's like, mom and dad never got, had to spank me. And Abby's like, "Mm, I think they wore out that wooden spoon on me. So. But each kid's different, and you've got to learn that with them. So the, the next thing is when correcting, correct in love, not anger. Uh, this goes for me because I would typically correct out of emotion, and I would let it get to me. Um, Ephesians 6.4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. Um, it's not, their behavior is not personal. I took a lot of it personal. When they would say things, it was a personal offense to me. And so then what would happen? I would flare up. I would discipline out of anger or out of emotion as opposed to setting that time aside and being, okay, let's, let's get to the root of the issue. Let's get to what's really happening in life and what's happening inside of you Um, And so make sure that we're always, correction comes from a place of love. Discipline comes from a place of love. 
You know what I'm saying? Punishment comes from, from the other side of things. You know, it's about getting what's right and what's fair and what's just. But man, we need to be about disciplining and about instructing our kids that it's always from a place of love. It's always from, hey, I love you. I hated that phrase from my dad. This will hurt me more than it hurts you. Are you kidding me? You're the one swinging the spoon. Like, there is no way this hurts you as much as... If that's the case, why don't you give me the spoon and we'll make that statement come true? Because, yeah, yeah, I I mean, but I never said that one to my kids because I always thought that was one of those silly things. Um, Or the question of, do you want a spanking? No, I'd rather not. Um, The next thing when it comes to disciplining, target rebellion, not immaturity. This comes with um, ages and stages, knowing your child. Um, Micah is small. He was born with a sin nature. We already talked about that. Um, it's so cute to watch. I think it's cute because I'm his grandma. <laughs> his parents take it really personal. But, you know, Micah's not able to sit still for a long period of time. So for us to say, um, sit still, pay attention, do, listening, you know, 18 months, he, he can't do that. So making sure that we're not punishing our children for something that they're physically incapable of doing. You know what I mean? Even in, even the reasoning skills, we talk about, um, I was a teacher for 10 years, and we talk about lizard brain. And, and literally, children literally lack the function that's in the frontal lobe to make good decisions. So we do have to take that into context. We don't want to punish them for being immature when it is age appropriate for them to be immature. We can teach them skills to stop, think, let's talk through it, you know, obviously. But then there are things that we do need to target, and a lot of it is value-based. Um, lying is never acceptable. Meanness is never acceptable. Um, there's a lot of other things like laziness and things that we we value as a family that we're like no um that's not that's not what we're gonna do and we can still keep that in an age appropriate place great little chart for us you can take a picture of this or whatever but um notice in this chart that as it goes up you're increasing in love and as it goes out you're increasing in discipline um, and so these are four types of parenting models you could look at. You have the, the uninvolved parent, which is low in love, low in discipline. Uh, basically, it's this parent who just kind of gives up. I don't care what you do. Do whatever you want to do. And, and sometimes that's what happens when our kids wear us down to the point where we just finally, we throw up our hands and we say, don't care. Well, that's low love, low discipline. Um, you could have high love and low discipline, and that is somebody who's a permissive parent. Uh, they just give in. Well, I trust you to do the right thing. Really? Please don't do that. Um, what kid knows what the right thing is to do? Um, teenagers, the only thing they know that's the right thing is the what I want to do thing. Um, that is always the right thing. And you're going, that is not the right thing. Um, and then you have the, the other side of the spectrum where you're high in discipline, low in love, and that is the authoritarian, the, the giving orders. The why? Well, because I said so. Do it just because I said to do it. Um, I think I probably go a little bit between the permissive and the authoritarian um, in some ways. Um, the girls love it when, when they come to me and they say, hey, Dad, and I just look at them and say, no. Well, you haven't even heard no. But Dad, I, no. Well, I'll go ask Mom, no. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a, that parenting style of just do what I say, and sometimes it's do what I say, not what I do. Um, I think for me growing up, there was a lot of hypocrisy that I saw in my dad. 
of he would say one thing to me to do, but then he lived in a different lifestyle. And his words did not match up with his actions. And that caused a lot of distrust and hurt in me. And so as a parent, I said, man, I I don't want to do that, but I still fight with that because that was the model that I grew up under in a lot of ways. The more healthier approach is this balanced thing. And this is in all of life. I think we have to have a balance in all of life. We can have a tendency to go one way or the other, but this balanced life is giving choices. Because I care, I will let you earn some freedom. Um, And this, I think, happens more along the lines as they start to get older. We start to give them choices in things. Jen was really good at this. Um, I grew up in a household where I didn't even get to skip on senior skip day. Like, I was the only senior in my high school class at school on senior skip day. Yeah, he had like the perfect attendance award like every year of his whole life. Yeah, and, like seriously, I did not admirable. want that. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't want to skip on senior skip day. But our girls would come to us and they'd go, go. I don't feel good. Well, and I think this is something that we um, we actually did right, and um, that we didn't do everything right. You heard me say that already. But um, when the girls started getting into those um, older. Older years, um, end of elementary into middle school, and they would come to us and say that they didn't feel good. And it was clear to us that they were leaning towards, hey, I don't want to go to school today. Um, we would have conversation like, how are you feeling? What, tell me this, that, and the other. But then ultimately, we started making them make the choice if they were going to miss school. Now, some of you are like, oh, no, my kid would have always said that they were going to stay home and skipped like a million years of school. That didn't happen because with the staying home from school came some responsibilities and some consequences. Not that we are punishing them for staying home, but if they were really sick, they didn't need to do anything that night. That meant no swim practice, no not even going to church, some social things that were happening. So it caused them to have to weigh their decision. You know, it was like, and we would say, you're the only one that truly knows how you feel. If you are sick, I really think you need to stay home and rest. But if it is something minor, like maybe a sniffle or a a slight headache, or you're just tired today, then we want you to decide either way. But this is the rule in our house. If you stay home from school, then you miss out on whatever's going on to the night. Now, there were different reasons for how the girls processed through it. And sometimes they probably got away with some things. Um, but all in all, it, te- it taught them to critically think about that. Abby would lean t- more towards skipping school, especially if there were no social opportunities that night. Now, if it was church night and there was youth group and ping pong and pizza, like she'd be like, ooh, I can push through this. Okay, I'm not going to do that. But if there was a test that day and she wasn't ready for it, oh. Yeah, yeah she was... might be like failing a test, doing the things. Now, Hannah hated missing school. She did not want to know that she would have to go back to school and have double work, double makeup work. So when she considered it, the social part didn't matter to her. But the double workload, that was really stressful for her. So sometimes there was tension of like, just tell me if you want me to stay home or go to school. And I'm like, nope. And so there was a tension there. And it did teach them um, to decide. And that was kind of a, that was us preparing them to be those decision makers. And we see that sometimes even in our team members who are 18 to 22. I mean, they're, they're adults, and we're trying to treat them as adults and talk through things with them, but they don't want to talk through those things. They come to us and go, hey, can we as a team go see this movie? 
Well, let's talk about what this movie stands for. Let's talk about, you know, look at the plugged in reviews. Look at, you know, what does it say, this and that. And they're like, you know, have you looked at that? No. Well, go look at that and then let's get together and talk. Well, I I don't want to look at it. I just, just tell me yes or no. And that's what they want. You know, we all would love somebody to just tell us yes or no and do this, don't do this. But it's about becoming critical thinkers. It's about raising kids who love God and love others, who then become parents who raise kids who love God and love others, and you see how the cycle goes. We've got to allow them to begin to grow in that. So, And honestly, when we put in the hard work of consistency on the front side, we really have seen some really good fruit on the back side. And yeah. some of you have seen that way more than we have, but we're starting to see mm-hmm. some good fruit that came out of all those years of saying the same thing over and over. It would be a lot easier for me when Abby says, can I stay home from school? No. And not go through all the motions of let's talk it through. Well, let's reason it. Let's make the decision. It might be easier for me to say yes or no. But in the long run, it benefited them more to have those conversations and and, um, have the tension. And sometimes they made they didn't make the greatest choice and they missed out on something. And then even talking about that, like, man, I'm sorry that you missed that thing. Do you think you'll do something different next time? You know, just kind of playing the naive card and I'm um, giving them some of that control. Um, Dr. Henry Brandt says this, discipline is a 20 year process. It consists of instruction and correction. During this time, you slowly relinquish complete control in favor of the gradually developing inner strengths of the child that enable him to take responsibility for his own conduct and its, and its consequences. Yep. So it, we talk about being empty nesters. We're, we're taking our hands off and we're moving more um, into this definite coaching role. All along, you know, we wanted to be friends with our kids. And guess what? Now we have the privilege and the opportunity to be their friends to come alongside them and have some really great conversations that you know we couldn't have necessarily had when they were younger. Um, and we enjoy each other. Like um, One of the things we're getting ready to do this summer is um, Josh and Abby are like, hey, can we go on vacation with y'all? Can we get a condo together and all of us go together? And I'm like, oh, that's, that's amazing that our kids want to spend time with us. Um, um, and so that's, that's a good thing. But remember the goal. Always keep the goal in mind that it's about helping our kids love Jesus and love others. It's just that simple. So here's some life in action thoughts for you today. One, have you bought into one or any of the parenting myths? I'm not responsible at all. I take total responsibility or I have time-limited responsibility. Like they're only with me for so long and therefore after that it's not on me. If so, which one? Which area of parenting, modeling, instructing, or correcting should you be more intentional? And I love this word intentional. Sometimes we parent based out of just reacting and as parents, we have to set a plan. We have to parent with values. And even grandparenting, um, we get to grandparent out of values. And we get to be intentional in that because that means we come into it with a plan. You want to pray for us? I'm on holy ground with one shoe. God, thank you so much that you give us the opportunity to learn more about you and the way that we parent the humans that you've given us. 
Help us not to take it lightly, God, um, but to be intentional about the words we say, the way we act, and um, how we love, God. We want to love you, and we want to love others um, in front of our kids so that they grow up to love you and love others. Thank you again for that immense privilege, God. Help us to make you look good as we're doing it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.